thanks for tuning in for the second part of our conversation with Dr. Sabina Jazz. We're extremely grateful to have her here again to talk a little bit more about the impact COVID-19 has had and the intersection between healthcare and Indigenous practices. Without further ado, let's get started. Thanks so much for joining us once again for another continued conversation about the Indigenous perspective, healthcare, and the environment, Sabina. We also really want to thank you for being so open and honest about your experience and sharing some of your knowledge and wisdom in the previous episode. Specifically in this episode, we would like to focus a little bit more on the healthcare side of things. And, you know, what better way than to start off talking about what's going on in the world? Everyone has been affected by COVID in some way, shape or form. And so we wanted to start there. We wanted to sort of touch on your perspective on the current pandemic that we're all surrounded by and the reality that we're all facing and the impact that this pandemic is having on individuals' mental suffering and also how elders and knowledge keepers view this pandemic and how we are supposed to heal from it. We'd love to hear some of that from you. Well, the knowledge keepers have been saying that COVID-19 is a symptom of a world gone astray. We have cut down our forests, dug for oil, almost destroyed our oceans, abused the plant and animal life, so heavily damaged our source of life, the earth, and we still continue to live in denial and wonder at why this is happening. Um, The knowledge keepers are saying COVID-19 is nature's wake-up call. They say Mother Earth has an intelligence and also a great love for us as her children. When we go astray, she does her best to correct us. Nature operates as one, and this virus has no boundaries. It goes where it needs to go for reasons we may not always understand, but in the end, it is for our pruning, for our betterment as humanity. Natural law, as the elders tell me, it states that what we put into our circle always returns to us in some way. And we are all being held to be accountable for what we have done to the earth. All of our problems arise from our loss of values, our lack of caring, our disconnection from the land and living a kind and spiritual way of life. And yeah, Indigenous peoples are are facing the already in the second wave as as it has started. We're seeing here in Manitoba, um, I think it was 63% of the ICU admissions are of Indigenous people. That was earlier this week. Um, Although Indigenous people only represent 18% of the population of the province. And we're seeing a much higher impact on Indigenous people than the rest of the population here. Um, I think partly because of the the ongoing and, and historical genocide and colonization and assimilation and trauma that is continuing to occur you know, when people are boxed into a tiny reserve and forced to um, really push to be assimilated into a way of life that is so foreign to one's own, um, taken away from the land, which offers all the healing and the teachings and the love and the connection that that really provides real wellness, you know, and um, it's you know, we're not just seeing the the impacts directly, but also the indirect impacts of social isolation. 
Um, we're seeing a rise in, in um, emergency visits for, you know, overdoses and mental health issues and domestic violence and, and all the things that come along with being cooped up, you know, where, you know, children are being separated from their grandparents and that family connection is not, con you know, able to be happening and all the things that are a result, you know, and across the country, it's the same thing, you know, we're seeing a higher, we're seeing more opiate deaths, you know, then deaths from COVID-19 across the country. And uh, since from January to May, I, I saw the statistics in BC, I think it was 5.3 times um, that the rate of, of um, deaths related to addiction was, was 5.3 times higher than it was in it before and in the in the indigenous community. And it, it's really, it's taking an impact, having an impact with all the the, the social isolation and the COVID, you know, the fears of COVID. But again, um, it's the knowledge keepers that, that tell us we need to go back to the, the knowledge and the traditions that helped, you know, a people not to survive, but thrive for tens of thousands of years that will really help not only indigenous people, but I believe it can help the whole country. I think it definitely makes sense in terms of talking about, you know, when we speak about health, we talk about these social determinants of health. And going back to, you know, the design sustainable development and model that was created to define oh, what does health care look like, they speak a lot more about these social determinants that play a role in clinical health. And some of the aspects that you talked about, um, you know, having a complex history of colonialism, um, of this intergenerational trauma that rose from this rich history, 100% have a impact on today's you know, the crippling case of, you know, the pandemic that's that's already affecting people. And then you add into it more layers of, you know, trauma and um, history and all of these other factors of people and having to address all these threats altogether as a threat multiplier. So we talk about all of these factors, but we don't necessarily address them in a way that we would address, for instance, um, when, when you diagnose somebody for a mental health illness, we don't necessarily see the underlying causes, the root causes that are stemming, right? When you talked about the percentage of people, of Indigenous people in Manitoba that are currently, um, are you're seeing more of in the ICUs for various mental health illnesses, nobody necessarily will subject it directly to reasons that are more indirect, like we were talking about, more that has to do with um, underlying causes, such as the social determinants that we talked about. So we wanted to speak a little bit about, you know, systemic injustice and, and residential schools and mental health cases that are more evident there, as opposed to mental health cases we see in general. How do you think practices should look like to support this case of mental health illnesses? How do we make it better for people who have already been suffering so much because of their history? Um, and how, how, what healing practices can be implemented to help them in their suffering? Well, like you're saying, you know, as we all know, the Canadian healthcare system models a biomedical approach 
And um, I think the first step to infuse aspects of Indigenous uh, approaches is really to engage the Indigenous knowledge keepers and ask them that very question. Indigenous people are in the best position to decide that. The country has marginalized Indigenous people for so long that they aren't used to acknowledging the people with proper respect for their leadership. And when we set up a partnership relationship with Indigenous people in the spirit of working together, it is not the politicians, rather the knowledge keepers who are best positioned to bring this kind of knowledge to the table. It is the knowledge keepers who are the traditional leaders of their communities, the ones who have traditionally offered guidance to the chiefs who were considered the chiefs were considered the spokespeople for the voice of the grandmothers and the male elders of the communities today positioning indigenous knowledge keepers in their rightful place of leadership um, is the way to go um, based on my experience working with the knowledge keepers i've learned that the best approach forward is in support is not in support of integrating into or indigenizing our current colonial systems, which are very limited in their understanding and focus mainly on the body and somewhat on the mental aspects of wellness. Indigenous knowledge is much more holistic. It is related to our relationship with all of life and addresses the body, mind, spirit, and emotions. Knowledge keepers understand that our values and our good conduct our relationship with spirit and nature, our compliance with natural laws is what guarantees good health, not only for the individual, but for the family, the community, the nation and the planet. Many will say that Western medicine takes a Band-Aid approach to healing symptoms using mainly drugs and surgery, which works in the ER when you have a broken bone, but doesn't work very well in preventing or addressing the root cause of chronic disease or mental illness. You can't just sprinkle a little bit of indigenousness into the Western system and hope that it will change. Um, Indigenous knowledge keepers have helped me to understand that we need to set a foundation of good relations with all of life if we are to be healthy. Thank you for that, honestly, um, and sharing how you feel and how you view um, the cooperation between the Western healthcare system and the Indigenous practices. And one thing to note, I think, is that especially with the biomedical approach, and I think this was emphasized quite a bit um, throughout our chat today, is the fact that there are so many things that we don't consider, um, so many social causes, and we approach things after the fact, after they've happened. There is no sort of preventative um, way of life that is taken on. Um, and we often don't realize as people like day to day going into society that, you know, how we feel, how we view things, the relationships they have, they can really affect us physically as well. And they can develop the onset of a lot of clinical diseases and disorders. However, there are so many people who are stuck in the cycle and have grown up in the cycle of learning the fact and just accepting the fact that health is something external from them because that has been emphasized through institutions, through politicians, through government and through education as well. And so I know that there will probably be people out there who 
will not be able to necessarily grasp it as easily as others would, who would embrace such uh, an approach to life. And so this is a question I have for you. How would you communicate with those who are stuck in a system and have this belief system that health is very external and it's something that, you know, you can put a Band-Aid on it because this is something that has been reinforced for generations and generations through the Western healthcare system. That's really the question of our time. How do you, how do you help people kind of go beyond their limitations of the mind as it currently is? And that's a great question. And um, what I've seen, you know, really work in practice is, is bringing people into uh, an experience an indigenous environment and having an experience in ceremony. Um, what happens in a ceremony, you can't really put that in a classroom or put it online or anything like that. Um, but what happens is you, you be, you know, when the, the spirit is called through the pipe ceremony or through the, the traditions that are followed and always have to be led by indigenous people. Um, your spirit is touched, you're affected in some way that you can't even, you know, begin to describe in words and a change happens to you. Something, something happens to you. You can't, it's just like um, trying to convince somebody not to be depressed, you know, using just trying to talk them out of it. You know, it's very hard to do that. And, and uh, as much as, you know, counseling can help, you know, there, there is something that goes deeper than that. And I think that's, that's a, the spiritual part of it. And to have a spiritual experience and to be given that opportunity to feel your own spirit, you know, in all its freedom and all its, you know, to, to be sparked again, to want to live for something and to feel that happiness inside your own heart. That happens when you're, when you experience, you know, a ceremony. And I can't really say anything other than that. Like, I mean, we, we talk and talk about, you know, things we don't like in our society, whether it's racism, and we talk about what we don't like, we try and point it out. And, you know, there, there may be some benefit to that. But in the end, I think it's the inspirational um, voices that are really the, the voices of leadership. You know, how do we, and I, I really believe the Indigenous knowledge keepers are, are those voices today, you know, they can, they can help lift the spirit you know, and um, I mean, people like us too, we're, you know, we, we encourage, you know, and in our own personal lives, in our own way, we, we encourage and we listen and, um, but people are where they're at. And, you know, you, you really just need to meet them where they're at. And often it's, it's more like-minded people that will gravitate towards each other. And, and, uh, Hopefully, you know, the rest of the world will, will see how happy we are and, and that this works. And, uh, you know, we have faith that that will happen. For sure. I think um, the significance of the ceremonies and of having this community to go back to, of having these elders and knowledge keepers not only share their knowledge, but also help guide your mind and your spirit to heal in certain ways that allows you to incorporate a better lifestyle. Um, what we wanted to talk about was also 
something that we've mentioned um, within our conversations with regards to indigenous people living in these isolated and remote communities where healthcare services are difficult to reach or even have limited capacity. And I'm sure this is something you've experienced with. Um, and we wanted to talk about the role of elders in indigenous communities that you just reiterated just now. Um, you know, as they have a significant role that they play in, in keeping um, Indigenous traditional knowledge and culture and practices in a way that they can contribute to the health and well-being and recovery of their own and the community in itself. We wanted to speak about certain advances towards digitalization within healthcare because of not only the pandemic, we know that virtual care has been something that's been talked about in this in the medical um, community. And so we wanted to uh, talk about the topic of access for people in, the, in, in this post and current COVID-19 world that we're in, we are very much so highlighting the use of a virtual care system, the use of digitalization. And we want to ask you what you think digitalization and how would it impact indigenous healthcare system and access for people to healthcare in itself and for people to you know access these ceremonies people to keep on practicing these traditional healing systems it's true a lot of our work as doctors has already gone digital i'm running most of my clinics virtually or by phone now and it works well in some cases for chronic issues, but not always as well for children where you really need to do a physical exam um, or for when people are really sick. You know, you need to, some, you sometimes can eyeball that, you know, in person a lot better than, than digitally. Um, so there's a growth here or an evolution that I'm sure is going to take place as we understand what works and uh, what, it, what doesn't. In terms of Indigenous healing practices, a lot of the knowledge keepers that I work with are also meeting more online um, and doing webinars in which their knowledge is being shared with a wider audience online that it then might have been reached had people made the effort to come within the sacred lodges and Indigenous healing environments in the communities. Um, I think some of the knowledge and teachings can be shared in this way and may actually reach a wider audience. But at the same time, nothing really replaces the feeling on the land and in ceremony. And the knowledge keepers I work with would never conduct a, a pipe ceremony, for example, online. Rather, they might do it before a session in order to call the spirit for blessing and guidance. But you don't get the same enriched experience. Um, the ceremonies, for the most part, cannot be filmed. Uh, and there's really something to be said for making a personal effort to go and be on the land and come into the environment of a knowledge keeper face to face to hear the drum, to be part of and feel the experience in your own spirit of ceremony. Um, you know, and there's so much to that. Like there, you know, you're talking about indigenous communities and, you know, how to experience how, you know, they can find healing again and there's been so much um, colonization that's happened that and and Christianization has been part of that effort you know and nothing you know against the Christian religion itself but in the sense that it has discouraged people from following their traditional practices and belief systems 
um, that is still very present, you know, probably 80, 90% of many communities are still very, you know, Christian in their, in their beliefs since the residential schools. And, but there is a growing um, acceptance and interest more by the young people of the traditional ways. And, you know, I, you know, the fact that we've kind of been kicked out of a lot of, you know, group settings inside buildings because of COVID, you know, may actually be the inspiration to revolutionize our education system, you know, and to go more land-based. And if we're going to go more land-based, you know, that is completely in line with what the Indigenous knowledge keepers are encouraging us to do. And you know, support them in taking the lead in how that happens. Like it's it's much more than just outdoor education, but it's it's being connected to your spirit, your identity, all those the ceremonies that go along with finding out who you are, the rites of passage, and um, having a ceremonial approach to approaching the land. You know, there there are practices like that. I see the traditional hunters you know, doing where, you know, they won't go out for a moose, for example, before putting down tobacco or, or praying to ask permission, you know, from that moose to, to take its life for the benefit of the people. And there are practices that are, you know, so amazing and profound in terms of how that animal is honored after death, you know, and, and that meat is shared, you know, following the, the practices of, of the, the values of the people that, you know, are all about giving and sharing. You know, there's there's so much opportunity here, and I'm really excited. You know, I'm sure we're we're all being taken along by by the spirit and Mother Earth. You know, with this whole experience of COVID into another, you know, to learn something from it. And so I'm I'm excited by where it could lead us. I think the positive feedback that we hear from you is very much so exciting indeed. Um, especially when you speak about the knowledge and the teachings that are now being shared in webinars and so then it can be accessed by so many people from around the world. And I think that's very profound because having access to these Indigenous practices is what the world needs. The world needs to see what actually goes on there. I feel as though it's best to, to learn more about its rich culture. Um, rather than learning about, like you said, um, about history that, of course, reflects the more negative parts, we don't necessarily learn about all the all the rich background that uh, that exists within it. So I am very much so excited about um, about that access that we may have to learning more about it. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for that answer. And what we're speaking about in terms of Indigenous practices and traditions, they're not isolated to the healthcare system. We need to have more of these practices um, incorporated into education systems as well that exist in Western society and all around the world to really understand the practices, to really value the knowledge, and also create a deeper respect between our peoples, because that respect hasn't been there from the beginning. And so developing that and cultivating that relationship is also extremely, extremely important. I think the last question that I have um, for you is for our viewers, especially for the youth who are listening to this. What kind of message would you leave them? That's a great question. Um, I mean, the I think the answer is, is is both a big one and then also a personal one. On a on a big systemic level, I think Indigenous 
leadership needs to be incorporated at a federal level. Um, I'm not talking about political leadership or a dominating style of leadership, rather moral and ethical leadership. The Indigenous knowledge keepers need to be positioned as the leaders of this country in offering guidance and direction to the politicians and setting a foundation of values and a code of conduct in how we are to live and behave on their homeland. Once they are positioned in leadership, I believe things will begin to flow naturally. The knowledge that Indigenous knowledge keepers hold around natural healing practices is very important. I've spoken already about some of these practices, rites of passage, healing ceremonies, teachings, and medicines from the land. These practices are directly connected to the relationship to the land. There is an understanding that if the earth, the environment is not healthy, we're not going to be healthy. Taking care of the earth is very much a part of taking care of our own health. You might have heard the Indigenous saying expressed by many nations, we are all connected and related. And so for a young person, just simply go to the land and feel the land, feel your own spirit, do what you can. I've heard elders, you know, say, go and talk to a tree and listen, ask the tree a question and listen for our response and you'll get it. There, the land is alive. It has an intelligence. It's there to help you. Um, there's a really pioneering and exciting initiative with the happening with the Turtle Lodge right now in terms of the federal government being open and showing respect for the Indigenous knowledge keepers and their perspectives. Um, the Turtle Lodge has been engaged um, on reshaping the healthcare system, you know, post-COVID, what would that look like? So this, the knowledge keepers from the Turtle Lodge are coming in and as an independent national group of, um, from nations across this country who are rooted in their communities. They are taking the lead in terms of bringing their perspectives together, as well as engaging doctors and others who feel they can create effective wellness approaches for this country working together. So along with, um, along with a national group of Indigenous doctors and doctors working in Indigenous communities, I've been on these weekly calls with Minister Carolyn Bennett and FINIB since March. And we've all been talking about how to build back better after COVID-19 and how important the role of knowledge keepers is in building a stronger healthcare system that works for everyone in this country. This is the first time something like this has happened here to my knowledge and I'm so excited about it. This will be a learning process for everyone, I'm sure. And I really give credit to FINIB, the First Nations and Inuit Health Branch and Indigenous Services Canada for the faith that they have in the knowledge keepers. They have seconded someone from their office to work with us at the Turtle Lodge over the next two years to ensure that the relationship is honored and respected. So not one of us alone, whether Indigenous knowledge keepers or Western doctors has all the answers to good health. But the important thing is we are now working together. Yeah, it's great to hear about um, collaboration and about bringing together ideas for this post-COVID um, atmosphere that we are about to step into. Um, we love to hear that this is finally something that we are stepping towards, that these are the improvements that we want to see in our community. And that's exactly what we're hearing. So um, just to finish up, we wanted to ask you if 
um, for the youth if you wanted to sort of let them know any possible platforms where they can learn more about this or where they can hear more about even you know healing practices or what's uh, what's to come post pandemic i would i would um suggest you have a look at the turtle lodge um facebook page that's a good place to start um it's called the turtle lodge and um there's also a website turtlelodge.org and a youtube channel i think it's turtle lodge canada um there are many videos on there with teachings from the elders um there are initiatives that you can join online um, that are coming up and also you know when COVID is kind of settling, then we always have things that we, we have, you know, in person on the land and in the, in the sacred lodge that, that are made public for anyone who wants to come. Um, so just have a look there and uh, join us and uh, really look forward to the next generation of leaders that is coming up because I believe that the young people of today are really open-minded and have the spirit to, to make the changes that are gonna be necessary for this whole world to to grow better. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sabina, for uh, chatting with us about this topic. It was extremely insightful to, uh, to get some of your opinions and also learn about your own experiences with interacting with Indigenous practices and how that has personally affected you. And to all of our listeners out there, we want to thank you for tuning in for this episode. And we want to remind you that sometimes it may seem that there's no capacity to do things because the world is so big and there's so many things going on, especially with COVID-19. But you have the power to go and seek out resources, to educate yourself, to learn more, and to build and cultivate beautiful relationships and we encourage you to do that with those around you and with the land as well because there is hope in the world that we can get to a better place so thank you so much for listening and we'll check in with you next time